This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. You know, every once in a while, I read a headline that makes me so mad, I have to click it immediately. And that happened the other day when my producer sent me an article from the New York Times titled, There's No Such Thing as a Bad Movie Accent. That can't be true. He must be tripping. It got me so worked up that I had to call up the author, Kyle Buchanan. Kyle, with a headline like that, I feel like you're just inviting ire. Like, you're just trying to make people mad. Oh, yeah. I know what I was getting into there. And actually, I think the fun of posing that idea and titling the article that is that immediately in your head you think, well, that can't be true. I'm thinking of this bad accent or this bad accent or this actor who couldn't do that accent. And then when you read it, I think I might convince you that actually it's kind of fun no matter what. And while he isn't talking about the super offensive accents voiced by white actors in yellowface, blackface, or brownface, I'm thinking of Breakfast at Tiffany's or West Side Story, a bad accent is still bad. You mean to tell me that I'm just supposed to be okay with Lady Gaga's Italian accent in House of Gucci? What I cannot wrap my head around is people who steal just for ego or the pleasure of it. This year, we added a new bad accent to the Great Hall of Bad Accents. Uma Thurman and the gay rom-com Red, White, and Royal Blue. As soon as she comes on screen doing her accent, if you can recoil and lean forward at the same time, (laughs) that's what I was doing. I sent you to London with some pretty simple instructions. Represent the family at the royal wedding and don't cause an international incident. And at first I I was thinking to myself, I don't know about this. This is big. This is a capital C choice. But then I found myself missing her when she was gone. Before this weekend, I had a higher approval rating than the prime minister. Hell, I was out polling the Spice Girls. And overnight, you've managed to undo all that. As the movie went on, I didn't really care what happened to the two lead characters and their romance. Like, to me, the most suspenseful (laughs) thing about this movie is how Uma Thurman was going to pronounce any given word. I guess I thought initially, I don't know that that this is a good accent. But then I thought, if it gives me this much pleasure, can it really be bad? Coming up, Kyle is going to defend bad movie accents. And in the end, all of us are going to walk away with a new way of thinking about what an accent on screen really does for us. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill, FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. 
With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This message comes from NPR sponsor Bell's Brewery. Bell's have been brewing their flagship two-hearted IPA with a devotion to craft for nearly 30 years. Their standards for the ingredients that go into the brew are ridiculously high. In fact, when it comes to selecting hops, there's no middle ground. It's either graded in A+, or, well, they're happy to let the other breweries use it. Bell's Two-Hearted IPA. Bell's Brewery, Comstock, Michigan. Please drink responsibly. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options within your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This message comes from Tinkercast. For curious kids and grown-ups, Wow in the World is an adventure-filled cartoon for the ear podcast all about amazing innovations in science and technology. Listen to Wow in the World wherever you get your podcasts. Kyle, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Thanks for having me, Brittany. Okay, so um, you are in Venice right now. I am. Very chic. Um, Number one, I'm jealous. Number two, (laughs) that means you're surrounded right now by Italian accents. Can I hear your Italian accent? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, just a little something real quick. I mean, don't worry. None of us is, none of us is going to judge you. Well, see, if I'm going to do a real Italian accent, I'm going to break all the levels in this mic because Italians around me are, they're not afraid to get loud. <laughs> so they'll be like, ciao, 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 buongiorno. <laughs> they are on 11 from 6 a.m. on. You know, it's like a jolt of cappuccino. <laughs> well, I appreciate the the little bits of uh, of accent that you gave me just now. That chow <laughs> sounded very authentic to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I would give your accent like a 6.5 out of 10 just now. Um, <laughs> I'm honored. I would say that's a higher score than any of the accents that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so here's the thing about a bad accent for me. If I'm watching a movie... And the accent is so off. I'm like, where is this person supposed to be from? Like, it takes me out of a place. And to drive home this point, I want to play a little game with you. Ooh, hit me, hit me. Okay, so the name of the game is, where is she from? (laughs) I'm going to play some quotes from famously bad accents. Okay. And you have to guess what region this actor is trying to depict. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. All right. And you get bonus points if you can name the actor and what movie it's from. Okay. So are you ready to play? I will do my best. Okay. Here's the first one. Okay. Excuse me, officers. Um, my car broke down up the street there, and I was wondering if y'all could help me out. Or well, yes, ma'am. We'll be happy to. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> All right. Where is she from? <laughs> Where is she from? <laughs> you know, she is definitely from the South. Maybe <laughs> a South that she only really knows from watching episodes of True Blood. <laughs> Jessica Simpson, who is famously from Texas. <laughs> 
in the movie Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> if we're talking about crazy movie accents, sometimes it doesn't matter if you're actually from the place. You know, there's a movie called Mountain with Nicole Kidman and Jude Law. You know, they're, they're British actors doing Southern accents. And into this movie strides Renee Zellweger, who's actually from the South. And her accent is so big that you'd be forgiven for wondering <laughs> if she was the faker. Old Lady Swanger says you need help. Here I am. It sounds like she's the one putting on the accent. But you know, that bigness really works for that movie. It definitely gives that film a jolt when it needs it. Well, okay. So, so far, you have not guessed where she's from, but maybe you'll get it with this next one. No beer, sister. No devil, no dopey. Everything going to be iry. Rotten. be evil, I not evil, oh man. No, man, I on holiday. Brad Pitt in <laughs> Meet Joe Black, am I right? Ding, ding, ding. And where is she from in this film? I think he's trying to do a Jamaican accent. Is he succeeding at it? Well, I don't know, but let me tell you, Brittany, I have <laughs> never forgotten that moment. How long has it been since Meet Joe Black came out? At least 15 years. At least. Boy, when you played that clip, it was like I was I had just seen it yesterday. <laughs> Well, ding, ding, ding. You got it right on all counts. That was absolutely Brad Pitt. <laughs> Regretfully, Brad Pitt doing Jamaican, trying to speak in a Jamaican accent, some Jamaican patois, and meet Joe Black. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I got one more for you. Good. I am hoping that you get this one, but let's just see what happens. Let's hear this next one. Okay. Come on, let's go to Paris's. I want to rob. Where is she from? That's only one of the most quotable lines of the last 20 years, in my opinion. That is Emma Watson in <laughs> Sofia Coppola's The Bling Ring. And she is doing Valley Girl. And I think doing it really effectively. I don't think she's ever been as fun in any movie. You can put the Harry Potter movie uh, movies aside as well as she is in that movie. And I, as a native Southern Californian, recognized it immediately. If she went a little over the top, I don't mind at all. As the director, Joel <laughs> Schumacher, once said, nobody ever paid to see under the top. Hmm. You know, I also wonder if a bad accent tells us something about our own stereotypes that we put on places. I mean, I only really knew about Valley Girl accents from somebody telling me what a Valley Girl accent sounded like. Like Emma Watson in The Bling Ring, some people think is bad. But Alicia Silverstone and Clueless is, like, thought of as, you know, universally good. Oh, as if. Is determining good versus bad giving all of us, like, a false sense of authority over a place? Like, I mean, you know, someone, like you said, you could judge between the two, like, Valley Girl accents. But someone like me <laughs> or somebody else who, you know, who's never been to the Valley um, and never even spoken to someone from the Valley might decide to like judge based on stereotype. Do you think in some ways we're just regurgitating stereotypes of a place when determining good versus bad accents? I don't know. I mean, I think that there are so many stories of actors, you know, doing reams of research to try to nail a voice, a character, working with dialect coaches. But I think also they're probably plucking ideas they have in the air, right? I mean, if I asked you, Brittany, to do a British accent... Would you be doing a British accent based on mm -mm. British people you know? Or would you be doing it on the time you watched Mary Poppins when you were 10? 
<laughs> I don't think anybody wants to hear either of those attempts from me. Oh, you did make me do an Italian accent, so I wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> See, I would say for me that an accent is good when it accurately depicts like what I imagine someone from that place to sound like. Like whether it's Francis McDormand doing a Minnesota accent. See, I said it, Minnesota accent in Fargo or Renee Zellweger doing British accent in Bridget Jones Diary, which I was, I, I, in my mind, mostly American actors butcher British accents, but Renee Zellweger, baby, she turned it out in Bridget Jones's Diary. Or Ugandan British actor Daniel Kaluuya doing any number of American accents in Get Out or Nope or any of the other films that he's been in. To me, a good accent is one I'm like, oh yeah, I totally believe that you're from this place, even if I've never been there. That's exactly it, Brittany. And I think that leap, the, the believing, is what I'm interested in when I hear a movie accent. We don't necessarily know because we haven't always been to mm. these places. Part of the fun of a movie is playing pretend and making us believe that we're there. You know, I mean, if somebody was doing an Icelandic accent, then I'm sure viewers in Reykjavik would have their own opinions of it. But I don't go to movies with a red pen. Mm -hmm. I go to be entertained. And if they're doing a somewhat more entertaining version of an Icelandic accent, well, who am I to argue if I'm enjoying it? You know, you bring up, though, um, a few interesting points. And one of the things that makes me think of is how accents, like, are shaped. In this case, it makes me think about this interview that we did with Christine Baranski last year, who was taught how to change her voice so she could change how people saw her. We're all familiar with how Christine Baranski talks now. She has this beautiful, crisp, pristine diction. But she was saying that when she first arrived at Juilliard, they did early recordings of her. And I kind of sounded like a girl from the Midwest with a very nasal voice. <laughs> I hardly sounded like this. We learned the kind of classical mm. speech for theater. And that kind of reminds me, even the way that she speaks, is of the transatlantic accent. It was like taught in prep schools in the late 19th and, and early 20th century as a kind of like a blend between American and British vocal styles. Like ultimately that accent was meant to show status and it was meant to demonstrate wealth and sophistication. I think that kind of gets at how we stereotype through accents. Like if you speak a certain way, you know, it can say something to somebody else about your class, race, sexuality, region, culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you talk about this, I'm, I'm thinking about my own personal history with my own voice. It's interesting. Uh, I'm a gay man, and I think that I have met a lot of other gay people from all over the country. They'll come from Texas. They'll come from New York, places that you would normally associate with stronger accents. And the rest of their family will have accents, and they won't. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it isn't because gay men, when they're growing up to avoid being bullied, have to police their own voice to some extent. Mm. There's a little bit of changeability that's drummed in you from an early age about how you sound. So, you know, listening to that anecdote about Christine Baranski and the way she changed her voice until it just sort of froze that way. You know, I, I do think that absolutely, yeah, you know, the way you sound, the the accents that people can or can't pick up on have some sort of associations in the cultural mind, absolutely. You know, I, I personally, in my own voice, when I talk, I just hear the Southern Californian that I am. Sometimes I have people ask me mm. if I'm British, if I'm Australian, and I just reply, no, I'm gay and pretentious. <laughs> 
I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Michigan, Southeastern Michigan. I used to say for sure. I still say it a lot. I didn't realize that I said for like that all the time until I was like, oh my God, girl, you got to think something about this is a little country. Um, But that's so endearing. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, these things do kind of change. Sometimes we're conscious of them and sometimes we're not. Um, I wonder when you hear someone like Uma Thurman, who's playing a US president in red, white, and royal blue, does her bad accent actually give a new perspective on what it means to be Southern? Like, does the way she speaks in some way break the stereotype of the South that some people hold and give us a chance to think about Southerners differently? (laughs) It is incredible. I do think that, (laughs) Brittany, if you asked me to do a Southern accent now, which you should absolutely not do, (laughs) I would immediately think of Uma and I would be trying to aim there. Do you think an accent like Uma Thurman's should just stay on the big screen or do you wish more people would adopt her accent in real life? You know, there's an accent that I mentioned in the article, which is a clip of Sienna Miller on stage doing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Living with someone you love can be lonelier than living entirely alone if the one that you love doesn't love you. It is wild. It is so out of pocket. I cannot possibly (laughs) describe it. And yet, (laughs) if I heard real people talking like that, I'd be compelled. And you start to think, well, if some of the people don't actually sound like that, maybe they should consider it. It's awfully entertaining. (laughs) I know that much. Well, Kyle Buchanan, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so much fun. Anytime, Brittany. That was Kyle Buchanan. He covers pop culture for The New York Times. This episode was produced by Barton Girdwood and edited by Jessica Placek and Bilal Qureshi. I'm Brittany Luce, and we'll be back Friday with another episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR. On this week's episode of Wildcard, comedian Bowen Yang says you don't have to feel bad for falling short on mindfulness. I get in my own way by, like, over-privileging the present. That's so interesting because everyone wants to be in the present. I feel like being present is overrated. I'm Rachel Martin. Join us for NPR's Wild Card Podcast, the game where cards control the conversation. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR.